Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial pursuit, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs all around the globe seeking to do the same thing you are. If you want to know more about this program or this podcast or want to get barraged by a lot of annoying pop-ups, check out our website, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Yeah, buddy. Wednesday evening for us, Thursday morning for you, we hope. This is the Lifestyle Business Podcast. We believe building a business is the ideal way to create more freedom and opportunity for you, your family, and those around you, those around me. In fact, right beside me is the CEO of our fine organization, a man who demonstrated that he uh, has scarily accurate shot with a 9mm Beretta. What's up with that? Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I don't know how you developed that. and. Uh, I'm a little bit worried, frankly. If you guys stick around to the end of the episode, Ian and I are gonna share with you uh, some OS hacks, um, some stuff that we're doing with our operating systems that are allowing us to work a lot faster on our OSX machines. Are we still using OSX or do they call it something different now? I think they're calling it OSX still, and then there's all these uh, like lions, snow leopard, house go. cat, mountain lion. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get moving on to the shouts and the news. Well, let's talk about the news a little bit. Uh, we are here in lovely Puerto Galera, Mindoro, Philippines, at the epic Bad Lads Beach Resort. Our buddy has totally outdone himself. Yeah, our buddy Sean just opened the Bad Lads Beach Resort. He's got the Bad Lads 1, which is right on the pier of uh, Puerto Galera, but this place is epic. So basically what it is, is uh, we're on a essentially a deserted beach. I mean, there's 11 pieces of land here, I think. Uh, it stretches about a half a mile. Half of them are like empty, other half are for sale. We're like the only people here on the beach. It's pretty incredible. We're looking out into the ocean, mountains behind us with mist in the morning. I mean, it's just picturesque. We're gonna take some photos and put them up on the blog this week. It's silly, nuts. I mean, you know, Puerto Galera is one of these places. It's awesome to come for like maybe a couple weeks, maybe a month or two. We were talking about maybe spending a couple months here a year, but it's not really a long-term kind of place. It doesn't really have a lot of business significance. It's kind of like a fun place to come unwind, relax. There's tons of fun activities to do here, but it's not really like some place that you could hang like Bali for a whole year. Yeah, it's it's kind of growing though. Like today we went to the shooting range, there's go-karts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They've got go-karts, so it's much more likely that you'll live here. Exactly. Earlier in the week we were in Davao City, we were hanging out with, there's probably eight or nine DC members in Davao right now. Davao's blowing up, if you guys don't know. It's a city way down in the south of uh, the Philippines. It's on an island called Mindanao, which the US State Department has like a travel advisory against. Yeah. And so when you go there, it's like a, there's there's over a million people there, right? And there's like less than a couple hundred white people. Yeah, by Joe and Justin AdSense Flippers uh, estimate, I think they said that there's probably less than 100 Westerners living in Davao. Westerners under 45 years old. So like non-retiree Westerners. And the, the fascinating thing about that is like, given that that's the case, you walk up to places and you're like 100% plugged in. You're like, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, yes, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's just so weird to kind of be at a place that's so at the end of the, you know, what I thought, you know, if you say Davao one year ago, I would be like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, and traveling around the Philippines a little bit, uh, Davao is definitely on my top two. I mean, I think Subic Bay and Davao in terms of like pristineness, there's not a lot of really, really, really nice city 
areas yeah. in the Philippines, like Cebu and Manila. Uh, there's nice patches, but for the most part, um, you know, not so nice. But Davao, uh, very nice, very clean. Uh, they they got a mayor there that rules it with an iron fist. I yeah. like it. It's, nice. it's clean. There's there's relatively a lot to do. It's easy to get out to the countryside. It's my kind of city, man. I really enjoyed it. In fact, I'm thinking of even going back next week. Thanks, Joe Hot Money Magnati and <laughs> Justin Cook for just showing us the town. And we had such a blast. Uh, you know, John Paul Grant and Matt Canny showed us some insane karaoke skills. We saw the new intern, saw Michelle D from, who are we missing? We saw all kinds of DCers there. Uh, that was great. Now, if I were going to do this whole Philippines outsourcing thing all over again, and it was between Cebu and Davao, I would choose Davao because I kind of have a locked in opinion about what what's possible here in the Philippines in terms of talent at scale. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely find Filipinos that crush it, right? But I wouldn't make that like, make your business depend on that. I mean, I think like we're talking like more admin, like you have the 100 point process and they just follow it through. If you're gonna yeah. do that stuff, why not do it in Davao? You have a better lifestyle than you do in Cebu. It's cheaper, you know, your staffing costs are lower. And to me, it's it just feels like a better town. I mean, Cebu is, is kind of like a little Manila. I mean, we had a great time there and everything, and that's where the big operations are happening. Yep. But I, I, I do think I would choose Davao. Yeah, I do too. I think it's a great town. So anyway, we're chewing the fat a lot. Most, 99% of the people listening to this are like, what the heck are you guys talking about? So let, thank you everybody for your iTunes reviews. Um, we got a bunch of new five-star reviews, one from Housing Ninja, for example. They said, this is my first ever review on iTunes, and I was compelled to give these guys a shout. Thank you, Housing Ninja. Appreciate it. Um, extremely helpful for beginning entrepreneurs. David S., I love their podcast, filled with extremely useful information. Cheers, man. Thanks to Kevin as well, five stars. Christina and Jonathan, who said, uh, I've been around the block with the whole internet marketing entrepreneurial life hacking content stuff so i was really uh happy to find some original stuff on their show so let's get moving on to uh the question that we got this week do you want to read it yeah uh so this question comes from us uh comes to us from benjamin uh benjamin benjamin excuse me started a uh, SaaS application service as a or software as a service excuse me application hopes of quitting his day job one day uh, so basically uh, he's got a lot of questions and concerns going on through here we looked uh, we looked around a little bit at your site Benjamin it is uh, vlighthouse.net all right so here's the primary challenge he's got a front-facing website a really cool video these are his words actually I have one person on my mailing list after I launched um, this was a huge fear of mine that I would spend a year building a product, you know, on the side, trying to get a hustle off the ground, and you put it up to the world, and it's like crickets. Right. Well, welcome to the club, Benjamin. That's not exactly a bad sign. That's how most businesses get started. But how can you avoid this type of situation? Benjamin says he's got no business partner. He's got no guidance. He's got nobody to bounce ideas off of, and he's afraid he's developed a freaking donkey. Okay. So, so we're the guys that... We want to help Benjamin out. First off, Benjamin, I just want to say that there's a lot of positive things about what you're doing. It's very niche, it's very focused, it's very technical. It definitely solves some legitimate problems. So, I mean, you definitely have something that has a lot of potential here. Yes. Now, that's coming from somebody who knows nothing about Cisco Network Administration, so take it as a grain of salt. 
And that's part of the problem here, I think, on Benjamin's site is that for somebody that doesn't know anything about this, it's kind of hard to understand. For instance, the guy like me that sometimes writes checks, I have no idea what you're selling here. That's right. So you want to position the product on your site so that it's not just, um, you know, the, the geek that can buy your product, but it's also the, the pointy-haired boss that can communicate and sound like a smart guy because he wants to get onto your subscription. So just a couple quick bullet points, Benjamin. Number one, remove the pop-up. I think in, in particular tech-savvy crowds, they don't want to deal with pop-ups. And plus, you know, you, you have a landing page site. It is an effect. The site is a pop-up in and of itself. Right. Uh, so I just think get rid of pop-ups. I'm not hip to them for most applications. Number two, um, your clients are the people that you need to be talking to. You complain about not having uh, people to bounce ideas off and you wonder if you're going crazy or not. You know, guys like Ian and I and your buddy, we're not gonna help you figure out whether you're crazy or not. You're gonna have to talk to the people that use this product as you're developing it. I mean, absolutely, we call them anchor clients. Yeah, and so it might make sense next time to have one of these guys in mind when you're developing, but let's say now, for you, you're a year down the pike, you don't have anybody like that. But my guess is, Benjamin, you're an extremely smart dude. It looks like you've gotta know people that are doing what you're doing in the field. I'm sure you can bounce this off them. Well, that's what you're saying, you know, I put up this page and nothing happened. Well, no crap, nothing happened. Nothing ever happens to any of our websites, man. Right. You have to go out there. I mean, we were just talking about how we sold six portable bars in the last couple weeks. And uh, my buddy Sean was asking me, well, how do you guys do that? And I said, cold call, email, networking. I think this is an important point here. So part of Benjamin's struggle is, was part of our struggle too, which is like we're designers, we're engineers, we're developers, whatever. Um, but we're not necessarily marketers when we start off, right? And so I think what you and I have kind of developed in more than anything is marketers. And so, Benjamin, I think what you got on your hands is a marketing project. Well, and part of that is connecting with people as you're building the product, marketing during the product, things like that. But that's it. Like, and that's a great point because marketing is connecting the product and the customer. Like finding where that connection happens in the conversation. And in order to know what your materials need to look like, you need to actually have that conversation and then translating that conversation into materials. One of the things you wrote down, Benjamin, is that your copy is super feature focused. That's what an engineer talks about. Uh, I can, my car goes 100 miles per hour and all this stuff. Um, even when you go to your feature page, what's going on? Your first question is, so what exactly is the lighthouse? And the way I would approach it is like cut your administration costs, network administration costs in half, in half the time, uh, easy peasy, no tech experience required with V, whatever it is. Right. Like start me out with a benefit and I don't want to hear about your features. In fact, your features confuse me and that's why I want a SaaS app so that I don't have to have features. I just want to have a solution that's simple. So, uh, oh, and one final like quick thing, and this is just a writing thing in general. Um, I find we used to take out qualifying statements in the podcast, and we were hyper editors, by the way. Uh, we stopped doing that since, and people have said they enjoy the more natural conversations better. But in your writing, people generally write with qualifying statements like "in fact" or "I think that" or "the bottom line is." Um, any good proofreader will take those out after the second proofread. Right, I'm really bad at this. Another thing you want to think about in terms of copywriting 101 is really and very. They should just be eliminated from your writing. And also, think about an exclamation point 
as kind of a sign that the rest of the sentence isn't powerful enough. This is a very interesting copywriting technique. So, for example, this taco is spicy, exclamation point. Well, if you, if you felt the need to put the exclamation point there, it's possible that your words aren't strong enough. So you could sure. put something like, this taco feels like Chernobyl in my mouth or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> and then you could just be like, after you say this taco feels like Chernobyl in my mouth, it's like, period. <laughs> That's it. All right, let's get moving on to the meat and potatoes. Today we're going to talk about four important entrepreneurial mindsets by popular request people love the mindset episode so we're going to try to do our best we feel a little bit more awkward with the mindset stuff but this stuff is really meaningful to us I and mean, we do feel passionate about it we're also going to share the most valuable mindset all time the number one it's like the rolling stone top 100 list this is the number one entrepreneurial skill of all time and i just want to say thank you for benjamin for sending us the uh, email. Yeah, that's like with the the, the V Lighthouse product. Absolutely, it looks like uh, looks like it's for smart people. So I'm sure they have money. I look at it, I'm just like, wow, that looks really like yes. Hey, I just want to apologize <laughs> real quick for uh, apologize real quick for all the wind here. I don't know if you guys hear that, but uh, we're basically on the beach. Yeah, it's a it's it's really bad place to be. It's called a, a backhanded apology. All right, so it's no, <laughs> awful. Let's make a video. All right, number one, uh, don't work with assholes. Speaking of, right, uh, I was talking with Damian Thompson. He's a DCer, tropical MBAer, um, just a just a really smart dude, and he was telling me this great story that he has about one of his entrepreneurial failures and maybe we'll have him on some time to share it it's just this epic story of entrepreneurial intrigue and two years of this and that and i asked him damien you know what did you learn from this whole experience and he said when 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 the money partner came into the to the equation i should have known at that moment um you know i didn't want to have that partnership with that person but i took it because it was this big money right, right? And I thought that that was such a fascinating lesson to, to learn or to try to learn because it's one that even when you learn and fail from it, it's really hard to implement in the future because power and money are so seductive. Right. And you think when some guy comes along and gives you a million bucks to do a product or something that that's never going to happen again. Right. And I just want to reassure you that it will happen again. And part of the issue with like working with assholes is it takes about three, four, five years to start making any significant money from projects, you can't sustain relationship with assholes for more than like two years. Right. So it's always kind of like this fool's gamut where you jump in and you're like, well, I'm never gonna be offered this kind of money or this kind of opportunity, so I'm just gonna suck it up and try to get it done. But the problem is, is like, I don't care who you are, you cannot suck it up for five years in a creative pursuit, which is what entrepreneurship's all about. Yeah, and uh, you know, we didn't start working together for several years uh, until after we knew each other because- Well, until after you stopped becoming an asshole. Right, man. exactly. Well, <laughs> assholes don't always present themselves. I mean, sometimes you're wearing pants, sometimes you're wearing a dress. I mean, you can't always see them, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, I think uh, Damien's story is uh, telling in, in, in that, I think, based on his story, I mean, he jumped into business with somebody pretty soon. A lot of times that works out, sometimes it doesn't. Right, so and this is just a tough one because a lot of times the asshole is the silent partner or they're this super, super rich person that like is on a yacht and they like bring you up onto the yacht and they're like, I wanna do X, you know, and you're the guy. And it's tough when you're broke and you're desperate to say, to stick to your guns, to stick to, you know, we've had a lot of, especially through the podcast, 
in the last few years, a lot of people have approached us, a lot of people, and they said, we want to do this, we want to do that. And I just look at the person, I think, would I want to be, you know, buds with this guy? Do I want to roll with this guy? Do I want to tell my friends that I'm associated with this? And that, sh that this stuff counts so much because your heart and soul's into this stuff. And so the extreme case is the asshole, but sometimes there's just people that you can't see yourself working with and that it's not going to work out with in the long term. So if, if this is a process, the mindset hack is to, even if you're broke, stick to your core integrity and wait until somebody really matches up with you. Number two, 99% of the things that you do, you won't be compensated for. Now this is something that I have a little bit of beef with, like the freelancers on the blogosphere, they oftentimes give advice, like, you know, especially like jobster kind of people. Oh man, designers are the worst. At designers this. are the worst. They're always like, don't you lift your mouse until you see an invoice. The worst. And there's all kinds of jer jokers like this. Like me and you give like tons more free consulting than like, Joe Blow, freelance, whatever. We were just talking to a client today, so uh, one of our guys is working on this deal. Uh, it's for this pretty big order. Uh, and it's not even really an order. It's just, hey, we've got this idea. It's for 50 units. We think it could be cool. And uh, so he brought this up just in passing, and this was like a week ago. Um, and he was just going to let it die because they didn't have any budget anymore. And so what I said to him was like, Look, man, what we need to do is we need to spend two hours doing some free design work for them. Yeah. Um, and then send it over and say, hey, I know that the project's on hold. I know that you guys don't have the budget right now, but we were thinking about you and this is what we came up with. Because you know what? The chances are if that project gets unhold or off hold, I guess is how you said, if that project gets lifted, if it becomes a project, um, they're going to pick us. No, yeah, no doubt question. they're going to pick up. Let me tell you a story about J-Mac over here. My boy optimizes YouTube videos. So anybody out there that has a bunch of YouTube videos, J-Mac can go in there and he can like double the views on them. I'm serious. It's nuts. He knows he's figured this stuff out. He's an SEO genius. And so we're finding him accounts and a, a lot of powerful people want to work with them. And basically I go, here's the thing, J-Mac, I want you to walk, go to that guy and I want you to tell him exactly how you do this so that he can go and get someone on his staff to do it for him. And the problem is, is the freelancer on the web would say, nick that guy for 400 bucks. Make sure you get paid for your time. And it's like, that is such a small, we call it small time. Right. It's like a small time approach. It's like, really, like you're gonna let 400 bucks stand in the way of you being seen as someone who's like truly helpful, truly appear. You're talking to a millionaire. Well, I'll tell you- 400 bucks is not the opportunity here. The opportunity is, four years of relationship building. Um, and so that's the thing, like don't monetize the relationship too soon. I'll tell you who does this like the most and that's the noobs. The noobs are always coming out of the gate trying to nick you. Whereas like the uh, seasoned veteran doesn't try to nick you. So when I have a relationship with somebody and we're trying to start working on a project that's pretty expensive or something like that, the seasoned veteran doesn't charge me the consulting fee yeah. unless they're like super, super high level. And that comes out in different ways, but it's always the noob that wants the money. And that's the whole thing. It's like, if you want to make this transition from like freelancer or employee to entrepreneur, you have to like change these frames and mindsets. And yeah, it's tough. Like we said, when you're broke and you're poor, that 400 bucks will like make such a difference. It's like, you know, if you're cutting those kinds of relationship corners, 
it's not going to work out for you. You have to find a way to, you know, to have that more advanced entrepreneurial mindset. And so a hack right here to kind of uh, combat this is uh, I think what you got to do is you got to start to spin a lot of plates if you're in this position where you want to get paid for something. I think you got to touch this guy, you got to touch that guy, you got to touch that guy over there, and you got to get a lot of things going on because one of them is going to hit. Now, if you just start concentrating on that one plate, spinning that one plate, you're eventually going to need to hit them up for money because you're out of money. You got right? a bunch of like restaurant and sexual entendre <laughs> in this. I love it. Number three, success time frames happen in years, not months, unfortunately. A lot of what we're talking about here always when it comes to mindset is like long-term mindset. Like even with the internet and the fact that you can like pump online and put up a site and an affiliate thing, and you know, that's why everybody's talking about tactics, you know? Even a lot of the guys in the DC, it's always like, well, I put up this site and it's like not making me enough money yet. And then I put up this site and it's like all, it's like this spread fire of tactics. But but the strategy, like the long-term thinking is like, you're in it for the long haul. You're like choosing a problem in a marketplace and you're solving it with everything that you've got year after year after year. And like that's this iterative creative process and it morphs into this stuff. And because you've built something, then other opportunities come along that are sort of relational. And this sort of stuff realizes itself in years. And the good thing about it taking so long is that those rivers of cash flow or those streams of money also take like a long time to dry up potentially. That's a great point. Well, we think. Is there any wood around here to knock on? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not that they take long, but I mean, we've had people enter the markets that we've been in. And I mean, it takes a long time for people to catch up. Even if you have your whole product line online, I mean, for somebody to copy it and then all those customers transfer over yeah. to that other company. I mean, just think about how long that takes. So, you know, people start businesses based on like number one rankings, like, oh, I got to rank number one in Google, whatever. If you took away all of our number one rankings tomorrow, we'd be fine. We would be fine. We'd have the cash flow to reinvest in new sites that could rank number one. We have an amazing customer list. We have relationships with people. We can go knock on their doors. I mean, businesses aren't this key term matched up with this site infrastructure matched up with this affiliate income. That's right. not a business. That's just a tactic to make a little bit of cheddar. Uh, final thought on this that uh, success happens in years. I think one of our new sites our portable bar company uh it's coming along and oh man we got some awesome assets i can't wait to share with the listeners yeah it's it's uh it's really cool and uh we're working hard on it but one of the things uh, that i think is important to note on that is that's a new company and uh one of the things that we try to i think that we still do this basically is we throw money and time and resources at something and we might do that even a little bit too intense in the beginning and the point i want to make here is that this stuff takes time i mean you kind of got to build the snowball and let it roll down the hill you can't always push it all the time i mean you got to let gravity do some of the work so sometimes i feel like our efforts and our time and our money is kind of wasted because we're pushing so hard in the beginning when really i think you just have to let things kind of come together for you well you know each marketplace sort of has its own natural rhythm do you remember two 2009 how much money were we doing every month it was like 30k or yeah i think it was like 28k it was like the most frustrating year ever i mean we had a lot of expenses at that time too we had three partners it wasn't an attractive business it was like 30k 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 every month no breakthrough and part of the reason was we were in a product development cycle yeah and we had like you know enough like so much design resource so much cash resource to buy new inventory and we had to wait for all that to kind of like boomerang back around and boom early 2010 i think we had like a 50k month breakthrough i don't think we've ever been below that figure since and i think that the point there is like there's a natural cycle to the like you know if you put out a mailing like let's say you send out five mailers to some 
product market, they're not going to start to know you or need your products or like give you a call or all that stuff. Right. It's not going to happen like instantaneously. Right. It's like putting up a website and expecting a hundred people to opt in the first day. I mean, you got to have some kind of, <laughs> you got to have some kind of uh, momentum behind that. All right. Point number four. Let's talk about Johnny versus Jeffy. So, I want to say that, that I believe in terms of mindset, this this point might feel like a little bit simple or patronizing, but to be honest, Ian. I see it in my inbox multiple times every day from people who say they want to be entrepreneurs and they show a real passion for it and so I want to try to give my point of view on this and and basically this the most valuable skill set of all time in business is decision making plus inspiring the trust in others that you can consistently create meaningful results on your own that's it that is so rare it's rarer than python developers i mean the idea that you can take someone show them your business they ask you the bomb questions about what needs to get done and then they do it and then then they do it so consistently that you trust that they're going to do it and they're you know you're not asking you know you're not asking them what they're up to or anything like this they're just you trust they're showing that they're creating results consistently that's the biggest thing we have going for us right now on our team is that we're building a team that can make decisions autonomously, right? Or or independently of us, and we can consistently trust them. I mean, that's all we want. Uh, You know, skill set's good, all that stuff can be learned, but really quality decision-making, I think, is super important. So, you know, the battle of Johnny versus Jeffy is is Johnny, is J-Mac here in in Puerto Galera, a guy who, over the past year, or not, this hasn't been a year at all. Feels like he's been around forever, but I guess he's been here since September. You, you, you do the over, uh, over inflation I always time, inflate man. everything. It always feels like so long. I think that's a good sign, actually, having a good time. But, you know, John has proven himself to be someone that's incredibly trustworthy in terms of consistently creating results. And we were talking the other night, and I said, man, you can get any job you want. You can work with any entrepreneur you want. And he's been recommended for some insanely high-level positions, like with A-listers, and because we all trust him. We're all out there pimping out business for them because I know that any of my buddies that hire JMac to optimize their YouTube videos, you, optimizeyoutubevideos.com, they like these guys will get the results. There's no question about it. And uh, most of the people that we bring in and mention on this program are in that same situation. But the thing about John is he doesn't. John's going to come to you for feedback on what he's up to. He's not going to come to you asking for stuff. Right. Number one, he's not going to come to you hitting you up for money. Number two. And number three, he's not gonna, uh, what's the third point? Well, one thing is my flip-flops are missing. <laughs> so, I don't know how trustworthy it is, but I can't find my flip-flops. <laughs> you know, the, the thing about it is, is like, what I'm seeing in my inbox all the time, Ian, is people asking me to make decisions for them. People asking me for stuff. Like, you know, it's not like these huge trespasses. It's like, hey, Dan, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? Can I have that? And it's like, you got a guy, John, who is like in my inner circle. He could ask me for anything he wants. He has never asked me for a thing. Right. And that's back to our first point. It's like, you're giving 99%. You're always 99 to one. Have I given 99 points so I can ask for one? Right. And, and it's this, it's, I don't know how else to say it, but it's this leech mentality. It's like constantly asking for stuff especially when you're providing no value. I mean, if you're some big baller and you're like dropping investment cash here and there and you know, one 
twist of a knob and it's a huge opportunity for anybody yeah sure whatever like push your push your weight around right but people i see the entitlement attitude that i see in my inbox all the time it's just you know it's just ridiculous i got an email today from a guy i'm gonna tell the story because this is burns me up cheers man some guy that tells me uh i didn't really like your blog post that much um they got a little boring and they, they lacked some use for me but here's 750 words asking for all kinds of stuff from you <laughs> i'm thinking to myself like you didn't even take the time to read my stuff by the way met many of which address the questions and then you didn't even take the time to take any action like you did nothing you didn't show me a business you did all right and now you want me to make decisions for you about what you should do and that's that's the attitude this means like if you feel like if you've ever done any of those things in your life i think that is that's just like it's nothing doing so I feel a little bit patronizing even addressing it because it's like, I'm obviously very frustrated about it, but I do, I like, you know, for all like the wonderful stuff in the inbox, I wake up a lot to this like entitlement attitude. It's like, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. And I want this and give me your feedback on this. And it's just like, you know, you know, you know like, so that's all. It's like when you're gonna reach out to somebody and when you're gonna ask them for something, really put in some effort and like know that they're a human being and. You know, Ian and I love to help people out on the podcast. We love to answer people's questions. So present it to us in that fashion. You know, right. Here's something that you can present on your podcast. I know you guys like the podcast or whatever it is. I mean, this applies to everything. This applies for asking for quotes from a supplier. Absolutely. I mean, you really have to approach it in the right way. I mean, we've burned up a couple uh, relationships with suppliers because all we do is ask, ask, ask in the beginning and we weren't buying anything. And before you know it, they're not quoting us anymore. And you think, well, you're there to quote us. Like, don't you want the business? Like, no, they're there to make money. They're people. You know, you have to respect their time. And so I think that makes sense. Yeah, and here's the shame. If you look at the parable of Johnny and Jeffy, it's like Johnny and Jeffy are both equally smart dudes. And they're both equally capable. You know, in theory, they both have the same building blocks there. But John has that attitude that anybody who meets that guy is like, that's a guy I can trust to create results. He's not gonna be a leech. He's just gonna be about providing value. And because of that, I'm gonna go on talking about John McIntyre for the next couple years. And so is everybody else that meets him. It's not just me, it's, it's Sean, who he currently works for. It's everybody that he comes in contact with. It's, they're gonna sense that value. It's like, wow, if John's at the dinner table, all of a sudden we're all getting a lot. Right. And that's, that's, that's the number one thing. And that's so hard to find, it's so rare. And here's the best part. This is why mindset episodes can be valuable is that it's not that hard. It's right. not as hard as getting a million dollars in capital. You know, it's just about saying, I'm gonna stop asking for stuff for people. Instead, I'm gonna ask a little bit harder question, which is, what can I do that's gonna be valuable for them? And then how long can I possibly sustain asking them for anything at all? <laughs> Let's get moving over to the quick tips, tricks, and or funny joke session. All right, real quick, I think we're probably talking a little bit long yeah lion os ian and I, I my hard drive just crashed yeah and this is the interesting thing about this is that you didn't actually drop it or break it this time it just kind of crashed on its own kind of which is me. pretty rare for you i mean <laughs> <laughs> didn't you used to call me bumpy i think it was wally but uh yeah so anyway i installed time machine backups or that's you know a part of osx and the, i guess the con contra story is that sean cooney our buddy he got his laptop stolen the other day, 
but he methodically backs up his computer and literally got a new computer with a better OS on it. Yeah, his complaint was like that the, you know, like the mouse scroll doesn't happen the same way. All the rest of the settings were the, <laughs> were the same. Yeah, I mean, literally his desktop looked the same. So, I mean, the technology is there if you, you mix it with, for those of you in the first world, Mosey and Carbonite, for us guys here, uh, maybe occasional online backups, but primarily with external drives. I mean, you know, I wish I wouldn't have lost the last year of photos on my, that's just a dumb move on my part. Luckily, all of our business stuff is online. Final thing, man, and this is something big, Gmail shortcuts. Still my business partner, my friend, the man sitting right next to me has not sat down in the 15 minutes to learn. And I'm just gonna keep bringing it up until I get more emails from people saying, you know what, Dan, I sat down for the 15 minutes. I learned Gmail shortcuts because you linked to the guide on your blog post and it really did help me get through my email inbox 10% faster today. And that adds up because we spend five hours a day in our email inbox. Right. So that's uh, Gmail shortcuts. We're gonna get Ian on that this week. What's the travel plans, man? What are we gonna do? Well, I think I'm headed back to Bali here pretty soon. Well, first we're gonna go to Subic Bay We're together. gonna go to Subic Bay, one of our favorite places in the Philippines. That's right, and then I think I'm gonna head back to Bali. You might do some uh, hanging out in the Philippines. We're not quite sure yet, we'll yeah. see. We'll figure it out. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we always appreciate your emails, your tweets, anything. Uh, we'll talk to you next Thursday. Booyah. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list, lifestylebusinesspodcast.com. Go there, get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything.